the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show, Friday edition, final show of the week. Glad to have you along on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus, 94.5 The Answer in Dayton. Really looking forward to today's show. We have a lot of really good guests, really good input coming today. Andrew Claven of The Daily Wire will join us right at the top of the second hour. Andrew will join us in person, us being Central Ohio, on May the 21st. He has a play. The Uncanny, that will be performed at the Abbey Theater of Dublin next weekend, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, and he will be here on the 21st, which is Saturday night, to answer your questions. Uh, Andrew Claven is an important voice in our culture today because he works for the conservative site Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, The Daily Wire. I'm a member. I would highly recommend you being a member. No, I don't get a commission on that. I'm not employed by the Daily Wire. They are a phenomenal outfit. And in this media culture where you know you're being lied to and you're being manipulated and you're being insulted by mainstream media, it's important to seek out conservative sources. That's why we had Ruth Edmonds on the other day to talk about Freedom Square, because I think that's a good place for content to be aggregated as well. So we'll talk to Andrew about the play, about his book, The Great Good Thing, his first book about him coming to faith as a secular Jew, his current book, which is Truth and Beauty, which integrates the Gospels with poetry, and I'm not really sure what his thesis was, but he'll explain that to us, and we'll get him to reflect on politics today, 2024, presidential election possibilities and all that. Really looking forward to it. Andrew's a guy whose creativity in writing I really like. I like his humor. I've played his monologues for you before. So I'm looking forward to that. At 11.30 today, Jason Miller, who was one of Donald Trump's main advisors when Trump won the presidency in 2016. Jason Miller is now the CEO of Getter. And if you don't know what Getter is, it is a social media site. Remember Parler? Parler that arose and threatened Twitter for like a hot second before the big tech giants decided, well, we'll just uh, take away your server, Parler. Good luck building a competitor to Twitter without a server to operate on. And Parler went down because it was labeled as a source behind the January 6th insurrection. In truth, whatever happened on January the 6th was just as much promoted on Facebook and Twitter as it was on Parler. But Parler was easy to get rid of because it's where conservatives congregated. Well, Getter 
as far as I know, I never heard about it before the Parler thing. That I mean, Parler's back, but they're essentially dead. Uh, Getter has now usurped them. Getter has a lot of conservative voices. And Getter is uh, Twitter sans idiots. It just is. It's a bunch of conservative people. The wokesters have decided uh, they'd rather just uh, shout into their echo chamber on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So they've left Getter alone. So we'll talk to Jason Miller about that and about what he sees coming. Pennsylvania Senate race getting very interesting. I heard uh, my colleague Hugh Hewitt at um, the Hugh Hewitt show Yesterday, talking about the Pennsylvania Senate race. Now, he's he is uh, not a fan of Dr. Oz, and he is not a fan of Kathy Barnett. And why I can't think of the other guy's name, it's David something, uh, but it's a dead heat right now in the Pennsylvania Senate race. And Hewitt is uh, pushing, let me find the, that's uh, <laughs> so weird that guy's name left my mind. Uh, it's David Barnett. Uh, no, it's Kathy Barnett. Well, he's way down in this story, so that tells you where he is in the Pennsylvania Senate race. But Dr. Oz has President Trump's endorsement, and Kathy Barnett is just like the rich strike horse in the Kentucky Derby. She's like coming up hard on the inside down the stretch, and uh, she's got a She's got a really amazing story to tell. She was a baby who was conceived in rape and has served in the Army. So she's, in my view, uber conservative. Well, apparently, there are some things about her that are undefined. I read Selena Zito's column, Washington Examiner, about Kathy Barnett today. And she said, you know, I ask these questions, I ask all these questions of, most candidates, I get answers. I didn't get any answers from her. So there's this fear among Republican operatives out there that Kathy Barnett is going to be subject to opposition research and will be a flaming disaster as a general election candidate if she goes up against the Democratic candidate John Fetterman. David McCormick is the uh, guy who was on Hewitt. and he, he, I've not heard Hewitt push people very often. He didn't pick a favorite. In the Ohio Senate race, he didn't endorse, nor did I, but we both wholeheartedly endorse J.D. Vance right now. He's all in on David McCormick, and that's uh, that's interesting to me uh, because Kathy Barnett, to me, would seem to be a candidate that we would love to have to refute the lies of the left that the Republican Party is just a bunch of rich white men. Candace Owens doesn't fit that profile. Uh, Tim Scott doesn't fit that profile. Ben Carson doesn't fit that profile. Kathy Barnett doesn't fit that profile. There are a lot of people who don't fit that profile, including an increasing number of people in inner cities around the country because they're tired of the murder rate soaring. And now, if they have babies and they can't get baby formula, that reflects poorly on the Biden administration. If you want baby formula, you're struggling to find baby formula, uh, I would suggest you fly to uh, Juarez and then uh, walk across the border without showing that you're an American citizen, and then they'll maybe detain you in Del Rio, Texas, and they'll have all the baby formula you want because the shelves are fully stocked there. Even though uh, Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post wrote today that that is a uh, for Pinocchio lie that the law requires the federal government 
to provide nutrition, appropriate nutrition, to everyone crossing the border. Yeah, well, I, I think in that day, Glenn, when that law was made, we never assumed that our own shelves at Kroger, Walgreens, CVS, and elsewhere would be empty of baby formula. It was just kind of a given that we would not have a problem feeding our children. And then, of course, the left uh, got too upset about feeding children because, you know, they prefer to just kill children in the womb. That's what they're all about. Now, there is word coming that the Supreme Court is set to announce an opinion on Monday. An opinion. Could that opinion be the overturn of Roe versus Wade? Could that opinion be a Planned Parenthood versus Casey in Mississippi? Could it uphold the Mississippi law and thus toss out Roe versus Wade? I would love that because I'm staunchly anti-abortion, staunchly pro-life. I would also love it because it would give as much time as possible for the Democratic zealotry to burn itself out in advance of the midterm elections. I don't think that's going to be a winning issue for Democrats because here's the thing. While you will see a lot of uh, demonic, unhinged anger outside Supreme Court justices' homes and firebombing adoption clinics and interrupting worship services, and that'll run hot for a while, it is inarguable that a large majority More than half of pro-life supporters are women. Are women. And if you're a pro-abortion dude, uh, you are a scumbag. You are a scumbag if you are a pro-abortion man. Because if you don't have the fortitude and fiber to stand up and do the right thing and marry a woman if you get her pregnant and be a father to her child, That is why you would be anti-abortion, because it absolves you of your responsibility. So you are a scumbag if you are a male pro-abortion advocate. But the reason why abortion is not going to be an issue that galvanizes Americans is written on the signs outside every gas station in America. $4.22 today in Columbus. And also today... Joe Biden terminated a 1,000-acre oil and gas lease in Alaska. That's a good look, given the timing of all-time high diesel prices and all-time high gas prices. And gas, doesn't it always go up in the summer when they add the pollutant retardants to the gas? Yes, it always goes up. We haven't even hit Memorial Day yet. We haven't hit July 4th yet vacation season, driving around, or staycation season, and gas is skyrocketing. So that is why I don't think abortion will be a consequential issue. People care more about things that touch their lives, like gas prices, like food prices, like baby formula, like the drug overdoses at OSU, which is a direct result of fentanyl coming across the border, and schools. And boy, do we have news, including audio, from a local suburban school district where one board member is doing what she was elected to do. Yeah, I'm always getting more and more clarity. A friend of mine sent me a text yesterday with a story about just how much BlackRock and Vanguard own. You know they're the top stockholder in 
Apple and the top stockholder in like whoever owns Android. So there's no competition out there. The global economy is working against you. They all have the same agenda. Uh, they they magnify the pandemic and they glorify the transdemic. Like you realize how much nonsense is out there on transgenderism. It's eight years since Bruce Jenner appeared on the cover of Vanity Fair as Caitlyn Jenner. Here are the numbers since. The Washington Post since then has run 1,160 articles and opinions glorifying transgenderism in the eight years since. More than 100 a year, one every three days. Over that same time period, the New York Times has run almost 8,000 pro-transgender stories. 8,000 in eight years. That's 1,000 a year. That's a little under three a day. Okay, so it's not just the transgender ideology. It's LGBTQ ideology, and it's not California, and it's not just New York. It's right here at home. I pounded the table last fall. You've got to elect consequential school board members. And Dublin, hallelujah, you did. You elected Diana Rigby to your school board. Diana Rigby, here she is at a recent, the most recent Dublin board meeting. At the podium is the director of curriculum for Dublin schools. All right, all three high schools, Kaufman, Jerome, and Scioto. And they're in the process of putting a course description in their curriculum handbook about each course. Now, the course they're discussing is an elective, an elective in women's studies. So if you're a high school student in the Dublin district, you can take this course in, again, it's labeled women's studies. The voice you're going to hear first is Diana Rigby asking about what she sees in front of her as the course description that these this curriculum director wants to put in the curriculum book at Dublin about this course. So I just have a question on um, the graded course of study for social studies. Um, it, it talks about the fourth wave of feminism. A couple things. Um, it's in response to a growing radical conservative movement in the United States. That statement alone, because one would argue politically there's a radical leftist movement in the United States as well. So how are we addressing that in this um, course of study here? And then my second question would be embracing the growing LGBTQ plus movement. Again, it seems persuasive. It does not seem um, where it is an, an objective stance, and, and I do question that being in a course of study description. That's Diana One of the Rigby. things I should bring to the table here is that these are elective courses at the high school, and there are many other elective courses, so <laughs> this is a little different than something like a K-12 review, just a lens for you to think about. Oh, a lens. Um, that these are areas, uh, African American studies and women's studies, uh, where kids will be uh, given a chance to look from different lenses within that, oh, yeah. um, but this is elective, so I want to be clear on that. It's not a course that all students take, but I also want Shannon to share a little bit about the research that team did in creating these great courses. Study. Okay, so listen where they got the description of the course. Here's another curriculum director. Coming up, you'll hear 
who they went to to get their curriculum description. Now, we're talking about Dublin schools, right? Dublin schools, what do we perceive about Dublin schools? A lot of affluent people, kids going to big colleges, really want to study well. They want to get a lot of national merit scholars. So, you know, where are they going? Are they are they going to Case Western Reserve to get the curriculum? Are they going to Harvard, to Yale? I mean, that'd be a disaster. But no, listen to where they're going to get these curriculum descriptions. And, um, well, it's pretty amazing. We used a couple different methods to to guide our um, topics and our essential questions or our compelling questions as they're listed for you on the graded course of study. So we looked at a lot of universities offer these courses, and particularly we looked at Ohio State University and of the course. University of Akron to Akron. guide our, um, Akron. our building of this Akron. experiential course, so more of a humanities rather than a history. <laughs> um, and then as well, we looked at conversations with Columbus Public and then a, um, and a, small, a smaller school called Berkshire um, Schools to build our course as well. And then we use Bedford St. Martin's um, text there. There We are use them for other subjects. We use their text as well. And these are the compelling questions that come from all of those resources as well as a definition of the different movements of, of women's studies or the women's rights movements, the women's movements um, throughout history. How far do you think you'd get campaigning for the Dublin Board of Education if you said, hey, parents, we're going to get all our students to emulate the performance of students in the Columbus City Schools. How far do you think that would go? Finally, thankfully, a board member, Chris Valentine, who's been on the board since he was 19 years of age, who's coming up for re-election in 2023, who not so coincidentally is under attack from the leftists in Dublin. They want to get him off the board. Chris Valentine comes to Diana Rigby's aid. I'd echo Diana's concerns. I, I think that... I think that the wording um, and the even given that it's an elective course um, still presents a different um, slant with the way that it's presented. Um, And so I I was sharing uh, Diana's concern. How do we get to the point where each of these are identified like that? Great question. So it varies across subject areas because the state of Ohio and our standards vary across subject areas. As you get into high school level courses and you get beyond graduation requirements, uh, really Uh as a board of education, you get to help us articulate some of those. So typically it's through a research process of some kind. in this case, uh, we leaned on, like like Shannon said, some area schools around us. But I, I wrote down your questions in your notes. They're great questions. Um, and we can definitely revise some language to make sure that it reads in a way that we all feel comfortable with. That won't, that won't be a problem at all. So I appreciate the feedback. Or, oh, or I just, bet you. You know, another I another bet you viewpoint. do appreciate the um, if- Yes, I'm sure you appreciate the feedback. Diana's point at the end was, you know, look, are you going to balance this? with an elective that might offer a different point of view? Oh, I'm sure it never occurred to them to do that. You know why? Because previously they've been able to get through whatever they wanted. This is why school board elections matter. And it's why sites like Getter matter. We'll talk to Jason Miller, the CEO, next on The Bruce Woolley Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.